everybody welcome back to another week of off the beaten clap this is week four of beatles week four son we are yeah and we're doing a movie so this is the first time we've done a movie on this podcast so i can't wait to to get into it so let's fucking get into it guys yeah we're back again uh we're fully fully chubbed into beatles month here <laughs> i don't <laughs> i don't know if that is really applies but yeah i know dylan you've we're been bricked doing your, up we're bricked up fully bricked um i know you've been doing a bunch of research into the beatles and i you know i was firmly of the belief that if we're really going to do this we need to do this. at least one of the movies we might still do one or two even next week um but the one i wanted to do for sure was yellow submarine it's the one I'm the most familiar with. It's the one I grew up with. Um, it's really my main introduction to the Beatles and their music and like the the characterization of all of the guys in the band. Um, so it's it's a huge part of my childhood and really just my journey in music. Um, but I know you've never seen it. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to hear just some quick opening thoughts before we kind of I kind of get into a plot synopsis here. Um, there was no way I could have been ready for this. Yeah. I I don't know how I went this long without spoilers, but holy shit, I had no idea what what I was getting myself into. And I I knew it was a good cartoon movie, but like a 60s cartoon, like I I don't know. And it was just so crazy. And I can't wait to talk about it because it is captivating for an adult to watch. And it, I think it would be good. I would love to watch it like with my nephew, still. Like, yes. I, and yeah. I think uh, Louis touches on that later in his email. But like, it is perfect for all ages. And I, it's there's so many interesting things that uh, that go along with this. That uh, it's just like a, a happy little accident. And it seems like we say that every week. Like, kind of how everything works out in this movie for them. I think that kind of mirrors their real life. It's just like they kind of walk backwards into like good things happening to them and my ring light just went out sorry (laughs) (laughs) it kind of reminds me of um deadpool where they get x-force together and that one girl's superpower is that she's just like very lucky and he's like how is that a superpower and she's like you'll see and that just feels like that was the beatles superpower is that they were just very fortunate and i think it's Mm -hmm. because they were so humble um not to get too philosophical too quickly but um yeah i crazy this movie was absolutely bonkers i was not ready for it yeah i mean this movie will do it to you it'll it'll get you thinking it, it's at once both very deep and very shallow i mean the the music choices that they made were great because they're accessible to all ages uh again it's it's something that both your grandmother and your five-year-old will love i mean when i'm 64 um it's all too much all you need is love like just great great fucking tracks i mean like i've said it before there's not a really a bad beatles track but i think the choices that they made were psychedelic enough to fit the animation style um but also accessible enough for children to to get into um because some there's some kind of really scary parts of this this movie this Um, would have freaked me out as a kid for sure yeah i mean there's some there's some real terrifying stuff that happens and it's very acid trippy so um but yeah, before we get too far into um, thoughts, I'll just do a quick um, plot synopsis. Um, so this this movie takes place in a fictional land of Pepperland, um, obviously named for Sergeant Pepper. Uh, the it's a ba- it's a land full of music and color and happiness and joy. Uh, there's the main band um, called Sergeant Pepper's Lunatic Hearts Club Band. It was formed by uh, two quartets of old women and old men, uh, obviously mirroring the the Beatles and Sergeant Pepper. Um, and yeah, it's just a harmonious land at the bottom. I forget how many leagues under the sea the narrator says it was, but I love that intro. Um, 
but then it's quickly overrun by a evil group of somethings called the Blue Meanies. Uh, they're just, they hate all music, they hate all color, and they quickly turn the land into a barren, musicless, colorless la- landscape. Uh, old Fred is tasked with driving the Yellow Submarine to find help. He goes to Liverpool, finds the Beatles, they travel through seven seas of varying craziness, come back to Pepperland, incite a rebellion with music, and the land is saved forever. So that's that's the basic plot of Yellow Submarine. It's pretty simplistic uh, hero's journey. Um, but in between all of that is one of the craziest visual and musical experiences you could probably have in an animated cartoon. For sure. Especially as, as soon as like the opening comes on and then even when the blue meanies show up, you're like, whoa there's so much color here like mm-hmm. it kind of makes you wonder kind of with the magical mystery tour like were they able were people able to watch this with the true color when it first came out yeah i believe so i think i don't think this was like a made for tv movie like magical mystery tour was this was i think i got a theatrical release so i'm sure people got to see it in the color because this would not have the same effect in black and white no i mean black and white is evil in this in this movie so um yeah, so, I mean, just immediately right away, the animation style stands out. It's very much of its era. It's very trippy and vibrant. And like I said last week, it almost feels like a bunch of layers of, like, colored paper pasted on top of each other to give it depth. Um, it's really, really, really cool looking. I can't really explain it without seeing it, but uh, what was your initial reaction to it? I know you talked texted me a little bit while you were watching it. So, like, how did you, did you like this animation style? Did you, um, what did you think about it? Um it felt old and mm-hmm. very, very new. And it kind of reminded me of like, <laughs> this is kind of weird, but like the weird, like uh, trippy things they would do on SpongeBob SquarePants sometimes where like sure. animation had like real life things like spliced in it. Like, especially when they go to Liverpool and it's like mm-hmm. those weird pictures of, of people on it. It was like, yeah, w- what decade was this made? It doesn't feel like it would, it kind of feels like someone took animation from the sixties and they wanted to like update it or something. I don't know if that was done to the version that I watched. Cause I, we bought it, we both bought it on Apple plus. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was kind of, kind of reminded me of like old, um, like old sixties, like Christmas specials and stuff like that. Like the blue meanies definitely look like villains from, a Christmas special from the sixties. Oh yeah, man. The blue meanies are fucking awesome. I don't know what their design is from, but like the snapping Turks and the guy, like I forget whatever all their names are, but um, they're just fucking whacked out. They're big blue puff balls. Um, his blueness. I think, I don't know if they ever say his actual name, but the main blue meanie um, is a gender fluid icon. I mean, if you think about uh, the way he acts and the way he talks, um, he's got high-heeled boots. It's very clearly a male, but it's uh, it's it's very drag queenish, um, and it's just I love 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 that character. Um, Max, the sidekick, is great. Uh, with I don't know what accent that is, but when uh, they're going through like the tr- the troops, and he goes no, no. <laughs> it's just it's so funny to me, man. Um, but yeah, everything, everything from that, and like I talked about that intro earlier, um, I, the one line that always stuck out to me was so many leagues under the sea, it lay or lie. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> it's just the, the easygoing nature of that opening followed by the immediate assault, um, from the blue meanies. It's, it's crazy. It's such a crazy opening. Um, yeah. It's, I'll, it's, I, go ahead. No, I was just saying it, it definitely catches your attention. It, you're yeah. you're not like waiting for the good stuff to start. It starts almost immediately. Yeah, I mean, this is before the opening credits, so it's 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 really kind of a cool cinematographer cinema. Whatever, it's a cool trick. Yeah, <laughs> it's a cool way to open the movie. Um, it's basically the Blitzkrieg of London. I think the way it's just moves forward, it's just waves and waves of attacks. Um, it, it really reminds me of, it, it, of like the bombing of London, what it must've been like just all of a sudden, every, all the music is stamped out, all the joy and the happiness of, uh, that idyllic setting is gone. Um, not so that I'm saying the blue meanies are direct, uh, metaphors for Nazis. Cause I don't think they are. No. Um, 
they're just they're just they're metaphors for people that hate music and want to stamp it out um but there's just so I, I, as i was going through i just wrote down things that like tickled me um i love when the main main guy says point and having pointed to go when he's talking about the uh the to the glove for the first time um and right after that he looks at max and says i haven't laughed so much since since pompeii Oh, dude. <laughs> I've never caught that until just today. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> so the blue meanies were responsible for Pompeii. Which or, or at, yeah, at least he was watching and having fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, if you look at the way the, the, the people of Pepperland become gray and like perfectly stationary, it looks very much like what happened in Pompeii. So ah. that's. I don't know if that's intentional or if it was just a funny throwaway line, which almost all of the dialogue in this movie is just one-liners, which is jarring from a like pacing standpoint because it's literally just joke after joke after joke. There's no real <laughs> real dialogue that happens here. Yeah. Um all of all of the plot is unfolded through the action, which is kind of cool. Um but yeah, just going through the attack, I really love uh, old Fred finishing up the quartet. I always thought that always sounded really cool. Um, as the, the quartet gets killed. Um, but yeah, no, I, it, just to kind of crystallize my thoughts on that opening a little bit, it's clear why I loved the opening when I was growing up. Um, Yellow Submarine as a track is just a drunk sing-along, as with a lot of the tracks in this movie. Um, and it, it just accompanies this like really bright and wacky, um, colorful opening credits sequence. Um, the font is really cool. The font, oh, I, I don't know if we're, 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 what font that is, but it always stuck out to me um, as uh, Fred is traveling through the, the seven seas of weirdness to Liverpool. Yeah, I, I think that font is specifically Yellow Submarine. Yeah, it might be. And if that's the case, we're going to, our next post on social media is going to be for it. So. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, if if I have to buy it, I will. I've already spent. I'm I'm already down thirteen bucks for this movie. So yeah, which it won't fair. be the only time I watch it. I think I think I genuinely want to watch it with my nephew, and I want to watch it again. Maybe a little. Yeah, never mind. I'm not gonna say, it, but maybe a few beers in next time. Sure, sure. It's definitely probably it's definitely probably more enjoyable under the influence of something. Um. So yeah. Uh, now that we're traveled through the the seven seas, we're in, now into Liverpool. So you want to talk about the Eleanor Rigby sequence and kind of take us through like the pier part? Yeah, I didn't write down exact notes for it, but it was it was the first time I was like, "Whoa, this is not just a cartoon." And I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm not exactly sure how they spliced it all together, but it's kind of like looking through people's windows and seeing Eleanor Rigby. And I thought it was a really clever placement of the song because. Uh, I think I text you like this is my wife's favorite song and I'd never heard it until, you know, I've been listening to a lot of Beatles this month and she's like, well, my favorite's Eleanor Rigby. She's like, my mom used to play it for us all the time. And I was like, I don't even know what song that is. So she played it. And so when it came on in the movie, it was like, oh, and it kind of does encapsulate Liverpool perfectly, especially what they're going for in the movie where it's like, looks like a, like a sleepy, dreary town with some rain and it kind of just reminds you of like a foggy London. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really like the the just kind of passing through. It does. I don't even think it plays the whole song, but you can just feel yourself like passing through while he's looking for Ringo. Yeah, it's 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 hauntingly beautiful. That sequence. It's it doesn't look like anything else in the movie. It's very drab, except for like when they cut to the soccer field. And it's kind of colorful there. Um, it's it's very gray and it kind of gives you that sense of loneliness that Eleanor Rigby is all about and um, I don't know it's just a, such a jarring way to come back into the movie where you just have this really beautiful like colorful sequence with Yellow Submarine playing and then you scroll down to the rooftops of Liverpool black plumes of smoke shoot up in the air and then all of a sudden you're right into Eleanor Rigby um, I, I always love this part of this movie. I, mean, I love every part of this movie. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. Um, but it's really really good. It's beautiful, man. Uh, I think this might be. It's not the most visually pleasing, but it's the most visually stunning. I think of the whole movie just because it looks so much different from everything else that you're about to see and have seen thus far. About I don't know five six minutes into the movie, um, but yeah, it's cool, man. Um, I love when you 
the balloon pops and Ringo shows up. Um, and his first line, his first line is, whoa, is me? It's like a question. <laughs> and then he's, uh, I always love this. Liverpool will be a lonely place on a Saturday night. And it's only Thursday morning. <laughs> It's just this line is so funny. It, it kind of encapsulates Ringo to a T for me. Um, and he just bemoans the fact that nothing ever happens to him and as he's walking through. Um, Which makes yeah. him the perfect like introduction character. After mm-hmm. all the dreariness, going through Liverpool, and then we see Ringo, and Ringo's kind of like waiting for an adventure. Yeah. It's kind of ho-hum, just kind of kicking dirt, walking through Liverpool. Um the the scene with the cop is always weird, super weird to me because the cop is fucking huge, um, it, but it kind of sets up. It's the first real like punchline of the movie, um, where it's like if if I told you I was being followed by a yellow submarine, would you believe me? And cop's like, no, I would not. <laughs> it's just, it's, What's it matter if he believes you, Ringo? Yeah, it's weird. Um, but yeah, um, so we'll go back into, we're moving into along the plot here. Uh, again, we, we're, the Yellow Submarine finally follows Ringo back to the pier, which is like this super trippy place where all the Beatles live, apparently. Um, to me, this is the strangest part of the movie. I know there's a lot of strange parts in like the Sea of Monsters and the Sea of Nothing. And um, I just don't, I don't get what's going on in this movie. <laughs> in, it this, was, in the pier. It almost felt like a Scooby-Doo scene. Where they're like Very much going so. going through a haunted house and like looking for clues or something, even the way like the people were like swapping through this the doors on both sides, mm-hmm. I was like, why, what, why, what, what's the purpose? I, I didn't understand, but I was like, you know what, keeping an open mind. Yeah. It's 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 funny. I, I it's it's just very acid trippy. I think, like I said, I think if you were on drugs, this that scene would make a whole hell lot more sense. Um, but it's really fun to go through and kind of find all the Beatles and their interesting little doors there. Um, old Fred pleading at the door is is funny to me, um, where he croaks help. Um, uh, won't you please please help me? Um, that's directly lifted from the, the the song. They actually quote a lot of the songs just in regular conversation throughout the movie, which I think is a super clever thing to do. Um, but yeah, I would love to visit the pier. I think it's a super cool place. There's a huge wax museum for no reason. Um, John Lennon is just Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> which I, I, I was reading, and I guess there's a lot of like deeper meaning to that, where he just like the version of John Lennon that we saw was a Frankenstein, like a creation of what everyone else wanted him to be rather than who he actually was. And I was like, okay, that's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. That's a lot for a 90 minute cartoon. But I also thought it was cool because adding a little bit of depth. And I think John is the only depth in this movie. He makes some really poignant comments at times where you're like, what? And everyone else mm-hmm. kind of just blows him off, which is probably how he felt in real life. But it was so jarring at times, especially at the very end with the globe. And he's like, oh, make, yeah. <laughs> making these philosophical comments. And you're like, what? I, he starts I talking it. about Einstein's theory of relativity and stuff like that. He talks about <laughs> Einstein's theory of relativity twice in this, in this kid's yeah. movie. Um, yeah, I mean, his, his appearance is legitimately terrifying. Um, between the way the the bubbling liquid looks in the vial that he drinks as Frankenstein, the noise that happens when he turns from Frankenstein into John, it's like it's a terrifying like six seconds of movie, um, preceded by uh, just a stupid Ringo joke again. Like, wonder what happens if I pull this lever? <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Can't help it. I'm a natural born lever puller, or whatever the fuck he says. <laughs> it's just that's that's the entire. It's all of the all of the the uh what's the word i'm looking for everything that's said in this movie is a joke oh, i think for that's sure. that's part of that's part of the charm i think that's why i related to it as a kid so much too because there's not a whole lot of complex dialogue going on and when it does you know uh george it's- or paul kind of makes fun of john as he's saying like oh god here he goes again coincidentally um, our introduction to george is like the most the most pompous George thing we've seen. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> it's just George being this Zen master badass on the top of a mountain. Sea Tarde <laughs> made me laugh out loud. Huh? 
the Sitar Day made me laugh out loud. Oh yeah, 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 man, it's fucking awesome. It's 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 I just love like then they pan back to the guys looking up at him, and Ringo's like, "What are you doing up there, George?" <laughs> just like <laughs> then he appears in the car behind him, and he's like, "The car keeps changing colors," and George, "This hole in the mind." It just sets up George as just like this cool, suave, like Zen master, and I love it, man. I think um, I think the introductions to the characters were my favorite. Yeah, I think so too. I think Paul's is perfect too. Um, I, I I do love the scene right before that where they drive off in the car, get in a wreck, and then <laughs> you can just hear their footsteps echoing down the hall as they run away. There's just like a boyish, like uh mischievousness to it that i love they just kind of crash and then oh better run away <laughs> just the sound of their boots hitting that marble floor always made me laugh um but yeah the, the appearance of paul is perfect where he's getting adored by fans and he already automatically knows what's going on what's the matter fellows blue beanies <laughs> it's so funny um but yeah no the whole pier sequence is cool i mean it, it kind of perfectly summates uh the uh the boys like perfectly ringo's the kind of dopey loner uh paul is uh you know the guy who gets all the attention george is the zen master and we got john who is kind of the uh genius unmisunderstood uh scientific genius as you as you would um but yeah no so yeah we start then we hit what i call the second phase of the movie which is traveling the seas um and yeah, I'll have you talk about like uh, there is the seven. There's seven different C's. I did. I didn't. I always suspected that, but I actually counted them this watch through, um, and it becomes more and more unhinged the, the closer they get to Pepperland. So, do you want to talk about the the Sea of Time sequence to start? Um, that was probably my favorite. After that, of the C's? yes, I kind of got annoyed until we meet uh, Jeremy Hillary Boop. PhD. Interesting. Um, just because of a, it felt like we weren't going anywhere. Like we were yeah. gaining this traction. It's like, hey, we're going to go do this. We're going to do this. And then it's like, you want to time warp? It's like, uh, I don't know. I, I wasn't ready for it. But I really like the whole like joking sequence about getting older. And then they all start turning white. And <laughs> all their little like offhanded comments. I wish I, wish I would have wrote them down. But they were making me laugh so hard. Just because... Um, they were kind of just becoming wiser and then they didn't want to go back to being young. Yeah. I think, uh, my favorite line from that part is, uh, Paul, we're senile delinquents instead of juvenile delinquents. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just really funny listening to their beards grow. Um, I do want to talk about the interior of the submarine cause it's very Escher esque where you don't really know where is up and where is down. And, um, it's just a really, really cool design for the interior of the submarine. Um, but yeah, this I kind of agree with you. This part of the movie is very, the pacing of it is is terrible. Um, if you're looking at it from an objective, like filmmaking point of view, it just kind of it's it's fits and starts, fits and starts. You get it's basically just seven different music videos, um, except for like the Sea of Monsters, which I think is actually my favorite part, just because I love all of the monsters in the Sea of Monsters. Um, so we can kind of just skip through these and just kind of talk about the tracks in each sea. Do you want to do that? Sure. Um, so obviously, Sea of Time, um, you get When I'm 64. Uh, it's an amazing song. I love When I'm 64. It's just a cool, nice, uh, bouncy track about, you know, appreciate. Will you, will you still love me when I'm 64? And I think that's a sentiment everybody can kind of appreciate. Like, yeah, I'm young and pretty and fun now, but will you still love me when I'm 64? Uh, when I'm losing my hair and all that shit. That already happened to me, but... Um, I really like the sequence. I really like the countdown. I like where they're like 60 seconds is a long time. Let us prove it. And each 10 second block is a different animation style. I just, I love that part so much just visually. And how many, how many minutes is in 64 years? Is that what they do? Yeah. And then 60 seconds in a minute or something The the way they pan and do all that. I love that, that scene. Yeah, just cool. Um, so we go from the Sea of Time to the Sea of Science, which is just one of the worst transitions of all time. There's no explanation of how they get to the Sea of Science. It's just, no. Uh, if old Fred says, we're in the Sea of Science. I'm like, okay. And then a Northern Song plays, which I like. I like the Northern Song. Um, it's a very tongue-in-cheek, um, 
I think it's a shot to all of their critics who say, you know, their harmonies aren't great or whatever, whatever was happening to them at the time. Uh, this feels like a direct shot across the bow of any critic they've ever had. Um, cause the lyrics directly state, you know, if this song sounds out of key, it is cause we wrote it that way. Um, if the harmonies feel like they're flat or whatever, you're correct. Um, it's I a, love it's a George song. Harris, George Harrison song. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense to me. I mean, it's very George Harrison esque. Um, and it's the way it's constructed. It's a little bit more smart. It's, uh, than the rest of the, the Beatles catalog, I think. Um, but yeah, a Northern song is fine. I like the visuals in the Sea of Science. I like the like kind of analog waveform that they use. Uh, it's just kind of trippy and kind of gives it like a retro futuristic feel. Uh, yeah. How would you, you, you feel about the, <laughs> the Sea of Science, the poor ugly monster that they bring on board and immediately roast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it, I thought it was cool. I was kind of my interest was kind of waning at this point because I wasn't True. sure where we were going from here. So, yeah, uh, that makes it, total sense. I, like I said, I, I thought it was cool to look at, but I also was like, I don't know. Maybe if I watched this 20 years ago, I would have a different tune, but yeah, yeah. W- watching it, I was like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to harp on it too bad, but no, I mean, that's what we're here for. It's a review. So, I mean, I, I think I very much feel the same way. Like if I had watched this for the first time two days ago, I would feel probably very much the same way. I have, have very, very rose tinted goggles for this movie. Um, it, it, the pacing is horrible through this part of the movie because it doesn't really, there's no plot being happening. It's just them moving through these seas of trippiness, which again is fine because it's, this is basically an extended music video. Um, and then we get to the Sea of Monsters next. I just really like the way it looks. The Cannonball Monsters always make me laugh because with their weird sounds and the shit they make. Um, every monster is memorable because they are so strange. Um, the Vacuum Suck Monster, obviously, is is interesting. Um, but yeah, nothing really happens. Ringo falls out. Um, some very racist depictions of Indians happen. Oh, and <laughs> I was wondering if, you're, if we were going to talk about that. Yeah, it's super racist. <laughs> I mean, even though... Um... What's his name? Old Fred. Yeah. Even though Old Fred is red, it did it was not good to see Native Americans. And they call what they call them engines. They said engines, yeah. Yeah. And I It's not the, great. The cavalry goes and gets him. That made me laugh out loud. <laughs> just the way Ringo is just so straight faced when they carry him back. <laughs> I think Ringo could just sit there the entire time and it would make me laugh. Yeah, Ringo Ringo is Ringo's jokes are the best in this movie. Ringo's the best. He's the most warm-hearted um, of the crew, um, as we'll talk about in the Sea of Nothing with Jeremy Hillary Boob Foot, um, which I, I love. I love Jeremy. So uh, how how did you how did you perceive Jeremy? Do you like Jeremy as a character? Love Jeremy. Um, ah, good, good. He is like the he's like the personification of of Ringo. It's like they really like this guy, even though he basically is just Ringo. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they don't appreciate Ringo in the moment, but they appreciate this guy. And then I think in the end of the movie, they're like, oh, I'm glad Ringo was around. And mm-hmm. if anything else, I thought this movie was like all about positivity, which is great for kids and all a redemption arc for Ringo. And that's how a lot of like Disney movies are like this guy's kind of like underappreciated, undervalued. And then in the end, he proves his worth. So I really liked this because I, I don't know if they did it intentionally, but him and Ringo have a lot in common. They kind of, they kind of find, we kind of find Ringo and we find Jeremy at the same points of like, they're just kind of doing nothing. And it's like, Hey, you want to go on an adventure? And they're like, yeah, got nothing better to do. Yeah. I mean, I love the line. It's uh, you want to come with us? How you take a nowhere, man? He's like, yeah, we'll take you somewhere. I fucking love that line, dude. It's so good. Uh, but yeah, the whole the whole uh, Nowhere Man sequence is really good. It's, it always reminds me of like a picture book. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's the plain white background with all the vibrant colors splattered on top of it. Um, I don't know what the visuals mean. Like the fish landing on the telephone. I, it makes no fucking sense. Yeah. Um, but I always really liked it. Um, Jeremy is a great character. He's so smart that he makes no sense. Um, he even talks about that. Like he said, if... Uh, 
if I started talking in prose, I think you'd you'd knows I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I just it's really oh, he's really, starting uh, to make sense in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just he's like I don't know what I'm talking about most of the time. I like the you know he's he's a walking contradiction where he's writing things, but he's also writing the review at the same time. But he never reads his own reviews. Um, it's it, it, Jeremy is awesome. He's such a cool and interesting character. And I think he kind of touches on the like wacky introvert that I, I, we talked about with nowhere man. When we talked about the song breakdown, um, I know we talked to the, the song's really about like a hangover song, but I think they, they characterize the nowhere man perfectly as like this, this loner academic who doesn't really fit in because he, he doesn't want to do anything but pursue knowledge. Um, and doesn't really have time to make friends because it interrupts with his pursuit of knowledge. And so he becomes this weird, weird dude. Um, I love Jeremy as a character. I think he's the most interesting character in this outside of the, um, his blueness who I just love his just wild psychotic rage that he has for no, <laughs> for apparently no reason. Um, Can I ask you something? I, I, yeah. I don't know if you plan on getting to it later, but do you ship, um, Oh, hundred percent. Okay. Yes. All right. We'll we'll yes. get to it later, I guess. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you're gonna because I have that exact note. I have I ship these two. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. So next is the foothills of the headlands or the sea of people, as I call it. Um, and we get Lucy in the sky with diamonds here. Um, have you had you heard Lucy in the sky with diamonds before this, or were you familiar with it? Yes. Uh, we actually did a Sergeant Pepper album on a different podcast a long time ago, and it was one of the standouts for me because I'd never heard the song and I'd always heard like the intro and I was like, eh, but once it gets to that chorus, I am into it. Yeah. The do doom do doom do doom Lucy in the sky with that. Yeah, it's so good, man. Yes. And it's, uh, it's got a cool background. I'm sure we'll talk about Sergeant Pepper someday, but to hear this in the context of the movie and it was kind of like, kind of a captivating, uh, animation at that point and i was like yeah hell yeah I, I i don't know if this is the music video but it should be yeah this is to me the peak of the movie everything else kind of is a downhill action from here um as we get into pepperland we get to like the final battle sequence um and i i have a vivid memory of the woman on the horse uh like flying around on the horse or whatever like that's the first one of the first times i can remember being attracted to a woman like i saw that and i was like i something in my mind I, like that that is attractive to me and i don't my little tiny kid brain didn't really understand it at the time but yeah i don't know something about the way that woman looked it's just this weird smudgy watercolor but i was like that's attractive um but yeah into that good on them uh, for imprinting on you like that huh good on whoever animated this movie to imprint on you like that yeah, draw a sexy woman. Good for you, bud. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we'll just skip through the sea of holes because nothing really happens there. Um, and then the sea of green, they don't even go to the sea of green. <laughs> just Ringo steps on a green hole and they say sea of green over and over again from the yellow submarine. Um, and we are live in the last stage of the movie, which is the rebellion and restoration of Pepperland. Um, and it's very much the same way we left it. Um, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on the end of the movie. There's some funny stuff that happens. Um, but basically, um, they revive the Lord Mayor. Um, old they, they, uh, Him and old Fred tell the boys about Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band and how they look just like them and how they could lead a rebellion through music. Um, but yeah, the, the Beagle's plan makes almost no sense when they storm the... <laughs> I, I thought I was the only one. No, it makes no sense. Uh, why go? Why go when they do? Why wait till the sun rises? I mean, it's funny watching them trip over the drums and stuff, but um, yeah, it just makes no sense. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Is there anything you want to talk about this in this particular sequence before, like the all you need is love? Um, it was legitimately like I was on the edge of my seat when they were running, like. They got the outfits on and they were running downhill. I was legit like on the edge of my seat. And I think that's mm -hmm. a testament to like how good they wrote that anticipation because it felt a lot more high stakes than it probably was. But no, it definitely did. I, I think they like, built up the, the tension really well. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, that that was it. Like it, it felt, I felt the tension and uh, it was, 
it was nice to like finally get there and feel like we're we've got we've got our hero's journey we're back on track they got their outfits mm-hmm. on they the bagpipe thing made me laugh really hard <laughs> and then uh, of course they step back they, they step on it yeah mm-hmm. well they throw they throw it down the hill at night and then they step on it in the morning and both times right. made me laugh uh how about that fucking siren the clown makes that shit is legitimately horrifying yes that would have gave me nightmares as a kid it still does dude it's like it's one of the worst most terrifying sounds i've ever heard i don't know what it is it sounds like i don't know it sounds like people running but they they did a reverse track on it and like looped it like a siren it's fucking awful it's Uh. but it's awesome it sounds cool but it's like it's terrifying like yeah. if this was the noise that Siren Head make, like the whatever thing, like that would be legitimately more terrifying than anything <laughs> that that stupid meme has come up with. Yeah, but I I love the villains. The, the the villains were awesome in this movie. Yeah, yeah. The Blue Meanies and all of their cohorts are just really cool designs. Um, they are legitimately evil. Um, you feel a sense of just nothing but evil in them, which I think is really cool. And they don't really say much. Um, they just are. They just act with just pure rage against anything that is musical or cover, colorful. And I, I think that they do. A, like whoever wrote the Blue Beanies did a really good job um, portraying just an evil character without having to worry about any sort of subterfuge or anything like that, or like or being too subplots. dopey. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, yeah, they're dopey, but like they're not super dopey. Like I mean. They're not really, they're not there as like comic relief, which a lot of like villains and kids movies can be. They're actually just really bad people. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, it, everything up to that. And then they finally make it. Um, Sergeant Pepper is an awesome song. I think the reprise of Sergeant Pepper at the end of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Cup Band might be my favorite Beatles song ever. It's just so fucking good. It's almost heavy metal-esque yeah. Um, in the way it sounds. It's really heavy and loud and energetic, and it's the perfect song to start a rebellion. Um, George goes fucking off on the tuba. like He's got like a deep like bass player metal squat while he's playing it. Um, and Pepperland just looks so much nicer when it's full of music and color. That's just my note on that scene. Um, they blue-balled yeah, I mean, us on... Uh, with the help of my friends. That they was, a, that was the I, only song they cut us short on. <laughs> yeah, I think that's intentional, though. I mean, that's the way they think they just kept playing the track because that's exact. That's ripped straight from the album, the way that kind of flows into each other. And I think it's meant to be as we're panning away from that scene, like the people celebrating or whatever. I like the way they did it, but yeah, they did definitely blue ball us on it. They cut back to um, his blueness and Max having a funny exchange. Max getting shot, like literally point rip blank range for his amazing sarcasm is always funny to me. Getting stomped on. Um, and then we get to we just watch his blueness have an incredible breakdown. Um, and Max comes up, here, have some nasty medicine, your blueness. <laughs> um, and then I always, one of the, my favorite lines in the whole entire movie uh, is when he sent, like his blueness sends out the glove again. And he says, Oh, blue to rate them. And then just fucking kicks Jeremy. <laughs> love it. <laughs> I fucking love his blueness, man. He's such an evil character. Have you, did you ever watch Powerpuff Girls growing up? Yes. Um, he is like him, the mood, the, the evildoer, him, who is like the devil. That's his blueness. If you've ever, if you've ever watched Powerpuff Girls, you know who him is. They're the same character, essentially. No way. Um, well, I mean, I don't know if they're expired by each other, but they just they f- operate in the same space for me. Yeah, they they were very similar, very sinister, but also like very gender fluid and very gender neutral. Um, read male, but like I don't know, also read female at the same time. It's just this, there's the sinisterness to both of them that I really love. Um, but yeah, then we get into yeah. I'm looking the it up you- now. Sorry. No, go ahead. Who? Which one was it? Um, him, H I M from uh, Powerpuff Girls, and then uh, like the way he's he's talks. Oh yes, yes. It's the wow. it's almost exactly his blueness, like like beat for beat. Um, except you know, him is a red devil man. 
but they both have long black boots. Both are gender fluid. It's really interesting um, to see how similar they both are as characters and and how I love them both. And him Um, was just as creepy. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, Him was a little bit more calculating than whereas uh, his blueness is a little bit more just truly insane. Um, But they're the exact same as far as characterization goes, I think. Wow. What an observation. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's... it was really hard for me not to, to make that connection um, after having not watched it for a while and obviously loving the Powerpuff Girls too. Um, yeah, yeah sorry, really, sorry to really derail cool. us for a second, but no, 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 you're good. <laughs> if we're getting towards the end here, I, I feel like we should probably, you know, kind of speed towards the end here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, next is the um, All You Need Is Love sequence, which I really like. Um, how do you want to talk about that for a second? All You Need Is Glove question mark no (laughs) take that g out of there uh go ahead and ash that off the end like john does so coolly it's so it's such a like perfect way to end this movie because it personifies what the beatles have been about we just talked Mm -hmm. magical mystery tour we talked about how important this song is for their discography and how it is for like how they were just like a positive band they could have written a lot more nasty songs or like when they get into drugs and stuff, you start getting more philosophical. A lot of it, if anything, they got more simple when they kind of um, started experimenting with drugs and stuff. They kind of realized that, like, at the core of it, all you need is love. And that, mm-hmm. and to bring that back and bring it into your kids' movie and have that kind of message for kids is, is very cool. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the message is clear. Like, the only way to beat uh any sort of any win any sort of war is through love and through words and i think it's it's appropriate that um the first lyrics in the song kind of address that where you can talk anything out and all you need is love and it's just uh i don't know it's a really cool message and a really cool way to beat the main bad guy like of the movie which is the glove where he just can't handle the love that's being spread by john so yeah, right after that scene, we hop right into the boys finding Sergeant Pepper in a glass bubble, which is apparently beetle-proof, to which uh, John says, nothing is beetle-proof, which I always thought was pretty funny. <laughs> kind of, I think it's kind of right up there with their we're more popular than Jesus kind of comment, where they just figured they were better than everything. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, again, that's exactly the, what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the inten- intentional line, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek for sure. Um, this is uh, John's second, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, descent into philosophy as he kind of slowly moves around the chair and there's a little vapor trail behind him. I always thought it was really funny watching the other three just throw shit at the bubble and it not working. It's it's just a really funny scene. It doesn't really do anything other than the boys meeting themselves and having an immediate bromance with their alternate universe selves. Um the interesting part of this scene is the scene that comes right after it, actually, for me, which is the Hey Bulldog sequence, um, which was actually cut from the original movie. So I hadn't seen Hey Bulldog in this movie really? until maybe like five or six years ago when I watched like the extended cut version. Um, and it's hard for me to imagine it without. Yeah, I mean, like if you look at the animation quality, it looks noticeably worse than the rest of the movie because um, it was like a recovered scene when they started like upscaling the old one. Um but it's really hard for me to imagine it without this scene now because it is such a fucking awesome. I fucking love Hey Bulldog. It's such a good song. Um, and the last two songs on this in this movie were singles. They weren't album tracks, which is crazy to me. Uh, hey Bulldog and It's All Too Much. I mean, they're both singles. Like they never were on an album to my knowledge, unless I'm forgetting it. Um, but yeah, this it's the first time I heard Hey Bulldog was in this movie, and it was like well into my 20s, and I was like, what the fuck? Like a Beatles song I've never heard? I didn't think this was possible. Um, and it's just a really, really cool, like bluesy, like hard rock track. It's another song where Lennon just goes ham on the vocals. Yeah, absolutely. Which I was really into. I, I was wondering how you're going to feel about it. I guess since it's uh, not an Isley Brothers cover anymore, it's it's a, <laughs> he's allowed to go ham. Yeah, no, I, I whatever. <laughs> I I had to give you a little rub on that, but I do love this song, and I was like, this is this song sounds nothing like the rest of the album. It's, no, it I, sounds I, like earlier work, like maybe Help or something. Uh, yeah, sure, or something from Revolver or 
Um, I don't know. It just it's it doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. Like, I think that's probably why it was cut. Probably more for time too, because um, it is a fairly lengthy sequence that don't, nothing really happens in. Um, you don't really need it um, because then we kind of cut the very last scene where Ringo rescues Jeremy. Jeremy has this fight with his blueness. And they kind of fall in love <laughs> right in front of our eyes. And yes, I ship Jeremy, Hillary Boob, Foot, and his blueness for sure. I mean, they have a very tender moment during the uh, the ending song, It's All Too Much, um, where they kind of touch noses and smile at each other. And it's just, it's so fucking nice. Yes, <laughs> it is. It is nice to know that these two were lost souls and now they found each other. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one thing I was a little confused with was like the very end and like were the Beatles like contractually obligated to like be a part of this movie. Cause I don't know why they were even at the very end. Yeah, I don't think so. I think the story I I believe, and I, I remember reading, I don't know if I remember reading this or whatever a long time ago is that they weren't convinced it was a good project to start. So that's why they weren't voicing the characters in the movie and then they once they saw like a one of the final edits of it they thought it was really good and so they wanted to be a part of it um and so they threw in a little scene at the end i love the ending sequence um but yeah i I think that's what happened i don't really know again this is half remembered information that i read you know 15 years ago um but yeah i don't really know uh what was going on with that it's just a weird cameo at the end yeah that that's also what made it feel a little SpongeBob esque. Was like, yeah, adults interacting with animation just felt kind of strange. But I did enjoy it. I do have some facts that I forgot to mention at the beginning of the episode. Sure. Um, they were contractually obligated to produce three films. Um, the first two, um, what Hard Day's Night and Help. Mm-hmm. So this one, they were like, hey, you got to put out a movie, and they're like, we don't really want to. So yeah, maybe that's what it was. Um, I think they ended up finding like a creative solution. They were like, Hey, we'll do like an animated thing. And I sent it in our group chat earlier. Um, they were like, hell no with the animation because there was a very poorly done animation where like people did really poor British accents and it was like super Americanized and it was the end. The animation was fine, but like John and Paul hated it. So they were like, uh, no, if, if it's going to be animated, like we want nothing to do with it. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what happened in the end was like, they found out the pro- what the project was and what they were working on. And when they saw it, they were like, you know what? <laughs> I actually like this. And I think, uh, John Lennon said he actually watches it with his kid, obviously before he passed, but he was like, I, cool. I love this movie and my kid loves this movie. Yeah, I mean that's it's it's I'm I'm yeah that's probably the the story I was talking about then probably just you know I didn't know that original like Rocky and Bullwinkle s cartoon existed and I think when you posted it, I was like why the fuck is Paul from Indiana or no why is John from Indiana John's accent is fucking terrible dude um it's a horrible it's it's not a good it's not good in any way shape or form um I know I say I'm gonna put links every week and I I'm gonna say I'm gonna put a link for it but uh. We'll see if I actually do it. I need people to hold yeah. me accountable like Louie. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you want to get into closing thoughts? Uh, yeah, man, sure. Um, so, you know, watching, like I, we touched on this earlier. So watching this as an adult for the first time in years was was interesting to say the least. Uh, nostalgia definitely got in the way of an honest critique for me. Um, I think if I didn't, this is not something I would have somebody watch if they didn't have an appreciation for the Beatles, um, unless it was a kid. Um, because then they can kind of get into it. They can kind of get into the songs, but it's really objectively not a very good movie. Um, but it's, it's so charming with the way it looks and the way it feels. And if you can appreciate the Beatles and the kind of stuff they were going through in the late sixties and that kind of acid trippy journey they were having, it makes a whole lot of sense and it's fun to see the boys just make jokes. Um, it's a charming story with charming characters and that's complex and simple all at the same time. Um, and it's beautiful to see in all the strangest ways. Um, I'll forever love this movie cause it's inextricably linked with my childhood. Um, 
but again, for someone like you, who's their first time and you're just now discovering the Beatles, I could see it being a bit jarring and not really super enjoyable, which I was worried about because, um, like I said, this is like basically my childhood. No, I, I, I think this would be a cool thing to have seen as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I still really enjoy it. There are parts that like, I'll probably skip through next time or maybe sure. now that I know what's going to happen in the movie, I, I won't be as like rushed to get to, to that point. But I just, I had so much fun and I think it's because we are in week four of Beatlemania and it's just like something completely different. It has like the yeah. elements of their music, but it also has like these weird getting to know the characters a little bit better moments that, um, they, whoever did the voice acting for the Beatles did a great job because I thought it was the job until the very end um when i i ended up doing some research and i was like oh it's not them but they sound spot on them yeah 100 percent. i mean it's 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 really i didn't know it was them it wasn't them until much later in my life so uh i just assumed it always i just always assumed it was so yeah they did a great job i mean every you can tell which character is speaking even when they're not directly pointing the camera at them which is you know is always a good a good sign of good voice acting. So uh, it's just really well done, real well produced. I don't know if it's necessarily a kids movie, but it's definitely a movie kids will enjoy. Yeah, it's it's for I think adults and kids alike. Like, I think it's universal that way of just same way with their music. It's accessible, but if you're looking for something deeper, you can find it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, 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 I really like the cameo by the Beatles at the end, if only for the classic count in and we get John going absolutely ham on his four. Like he always does the four. <laughs> he fucking crushes that four dude. Um, and it's just, I don't know. Um, altogether now is a, just a, just a cool track too. So, um, Oh, one thing I forgot to mention earlier too, when, um, the sub first takes off, I just think this is a cool little tidbit but um the orchestra sound that you hear was recorded for a day in the life on abbey road and um paul was directing this i don't know 40 something piece orchestra and the only direction he gave them was everybody needs to play from their lowest note and eventually build up to their highest note and you get this really cool cacophony with that really satisfying punch at the very end and it's like, oh, fuck, it sounds so good in a day in the life. And it's perfect for kind of like zooming through London. Um, I don't know. Just, it just, again, this, the Beatles stumbling into, because it's an iconic sound in music. Like people know what that is. They know where that's from. They know it's from a day in the life. And they know it's just really fucking cool because it's an accident. It shouldn't sound that good, but it does. And it's just like, again, the Beatles stumbling into something so creative and awesome. is just a really, really kind of sum up, sums up <laughs> their, their luck that they had perfectly. Um, yeah. Because that sound really, it's, it's genre defining. It's, it's so good. I remember watching uh, one of the many, many things I've been watching this month, but it was something on Hulu where he was talking about how he wanted all these orchestra people. And they were like, they didn't really understand because they read sheet music. They do all this stuff. So he was like, well, I don't really do sheet music, but you know, I just want everyone to play their lowest to their highest note. And he's like, it took a couple tries because you know, that that's getting people out of their comfort zone, but that was right. kind of the, the Beatles move. So I, I'm really interested to go back and listen to that because I, I knew of that, but I didn't know that's what that was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I've made my feelings on the back, the, the, the second half of Abbey Road known very well. I think it's perfect recording. Um, I think it's maybe the best recording of all time is the second half of Abbey Road. I just, from an experimental standpoint and just the way it flows, uh, it's just so fucking good, man. And it, having it end with that track is just chef's kiss. Um, that's, I think that's the only thing from Abbey Road that ends up on this, in this movie. I mean, that make, that would make sense. Um, because I think they were recording Abbey Road while this movie was being produced. So, um, but yeah, man, it's fucking great. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all we got. That's that it sums up Yellow Submarine. It's fucking great. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, do you want to let's read uh, our third and fourth members' comments real quick, and ah, then we'll get into yes. songs of the show. Um, yes. So I got Louis up first. Uh, he sent okay. sent the email first. 
um, with the title, I've got a hole in me pocket. Got a hole in pocket. Looking forward to your thoughts on the movie, dudes. I was gifted a copy last weekend with explicit instruction that I have my son watch it with me. Got to start the boy out right. That's right. Beautiful. His song of the show is Attention by Kiyotaro and Rikio. My Discover Weekly is on a Japanese jazz kick this week, and this furious drum and bass track was top of the list. These two players are too good. Uh, watch out for these blue meanies. Yep. I haven't got a chance to listen to the song yet, but uh, you had me at bass and guitar, or bass and drum and guitar, or jazz fusion. So uh, yeah, that this, was easy this for album me. Was, this album was almost the Tokonoma Week album. Oh. So I'm I'm familiar with this 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 song and this album already. Um, it's really fucking good. <laughs> it's just it was it was kind of short and it was didn't have feel like I had enough content. But yeah, it's really fucking good. Yeah, I mean maybe we'll get back to it with instrumental April. Yeah, maybe. Uh, we got a we got a bunch of themed months coming up. Now that I think about it, I think we got themed months all the way through April. So yeah. That's yeah, interesting. We'll see how how tired I get of themed months by April. <laughs> we didn't start um, this early last week or last year. That's true. Uh, so we'll get into Ben. Uh, his song of the show is "Hot Damn." These OT, OTBC are producing faster than a couple of jackrabbits these days. I really wanted to get in on this episode, but my new copy of Yellow Summary just got here today. Uh, just like Kevin, I can't think back on my childhood without thinking of this movie. We watched it so much, we had the whole thing memorized. That's mostly true. Uh, I still remember most of the lines from heart. Um, as a kid with an already hyperactive imagination, Yellow Submarine captured uh, a magic out of left field that truly rocked my world. I really like it. I really feel like it is responsible for kindling the spark that led me down the path that I'm still on of loving music for everything it can represent instead of just music notes on a sheet of paper. I agree with that. I think it had very much the same effect on me as a kid. Um, Eleanor Rigby kind of creeped me out, even though I could barely understand what the lyrics yet. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds tripped me out before I had any clue of what that meant. Um, finding George with his sitar on Love You Too opened my eyes and ears to new sounds. And stuff like Nowhere Man and When I'm 64 made me giddy with pure childish glee. Uh, it's been years, though, so I really can't wait to watch it again to see if it still captures that magic and can't wait to hear your first thoughts still. Uh, also, don't hate for trying... <laughs> Jesus Christ, Ben. <laughs> Don't hate for trying to find the right buttons to press and levers to pull to get that third spot back. I'm just a natural born leaper puller. Uh, <laughs> anywho, for Song of the Show, how could I do anything but the Beatles for this time? Uh, my pick is Lady Madonna, which was released as a single in 1968. It's just a super bluesy rock and roll romp that feels like a breath of fresh air smack dab in the middle of their experimental days. Uh, hard to pick a favorite Beatles song, but for old Benji, this one is up there. All you need is love, Benji, Columbus, Ohio. What a he act like he couldn't have done this episode and he just did the whole episode right there. He and literally did know. that. He did a he did a much better job summing up this movie than we did. Um that it took us an hour awkward. for him to write a three paragraph email. Yeah, we kind of stumbled through and uh he did it in two paragraphs. So um good job, Ben. Um we may just use that clip and just release a uh three minute episode this week. Yeah. Kevin will just read your email and that'll be it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, let's get into song of the show because my laptop is dying here and uh, I don't know how much longer I'm going to last here. Okay. Uh, you can go first then. Okay. My uh, mine is Goat from Polyphia, I believe is how you say the name of the band. Um, I found them on TikTok of all places uh, and some dude was like, the the text on the video was like, the face every bass player makes when they hear this song. I was like, well, I got to listen to it. And then it's just fucking stank, dude. Uh, from the two minute, six minute, the two minute, six second mark is just pure bass porn. And really the whole song is super bassy. Uh, I think Louie knows this band. He seemed to have some knowledge of them when I posted it on the group chat earlier. Um, but yeah, really fucking cool. Uh, progressive track. Uh, progressive metal instrumental. If you haven't listened to it, uh, listen to it. It's fucking bassy as hell. Yeah, I can't wait to listen to it. Uh, you sent it like 20 minutes before we started, so I, I yeah, yeah, I didn't. That's fine. Uh, my song is "Sleeping Through a Car Crash" by Broken Glow Sticks. Uh, it's a side project from uh, Dangerous Summer. It's basically just his solo project, and it's basically just a Dangerous Summer track that I'm really into. 
it's got like that like got that sound that I really enjoy and I love his like really rough vocals so I'm um, excited to hear what all he's got going on he's got three projects he's got two side projects and his regular band so he's just cranking out music right now and I uh, can't wait to hear more yeah um what are we doing next week Bill we haven't really decided yet have we <laughs> no we haven't um I think we're gonna do help okay um we'll do the movie and then we can through that i think we can talk about the album as well uh yeah i think that's what i'd rather do i mean this felt super awkward for me <laughs> i was just not having a real structure to it um i don't know how it's gonna sound i'm sure it'll be fine i always feel bad when we're done recording an episode um but i think just doing something with a little more structure might help um so i don't know we could talk about it more i, I would love to to watch help yeah Maybe watch the movie and then we could talk about the album. Maybe we can kind of just do like do maybe a song by song of the album and then just kind of touch on the movie and how it relates to the album. Maybe. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, a little it, bit more homework than normal, but yeah, but it's our last week of Beatlemania. So we're, we're going to go right. all out. Right. I've been listening to Beatles in my spare time anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> I might as well just listen to help. Uh, yeah, I, I know I I just feel kind of weird because it is us getting out of our element a little bit and maybe it's it's not going to sound as bad but yeah I think just doing a movie in general it's our first movie ever so props to us yeah. Um, yeah I think having a third person would have been nice to have stuff to bounce off of for sure Yeah but um but, you know live and learn live and learn so next week we're doing help um if you guys want to watch a movie listen to the album along um we'll put some links in the show notes that way you can easily find it and rent it or listen to the album so yeah all all of the beatles movies are on apple tv so if you want them that's where they are yep so uh thanks for listening guys and we'll see you next week bye